When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is Ellie Nunn and joining me, I think I spotted him in Victorian costume carol singing at Melissa and Joe's Christmas party, it's my co-host James Evans! (laughs) Good King Wenceslas last looked at, is that what they were singing? (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like they all have British accents and I honestly can, I can absolutely imagine you peeking behind a bonnet. Being like, ding dong merrily on high, in hand the bells are ringing. Singing the, the New Jersey theme tune, but a very choral way. Joysy girls are hot. Joysy girls, joysy girls, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> dun, dun, da da dun, 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 da 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 dun, 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 dun. I love those carol singers. I love how much that Christmas party just has no idea what it is. But I've also never wanted to be at a Christmas party so much. Oh, they make it look so good. I can't wait to get into the meat of it I'm all. so excited. to get. It's kind of all I want to talk about. It's basically going to be a second Christmas special. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> How are you doing, James? Yeah, I'm good. Nothing to report. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Good. <laughs> I thought you were going to give us a health update, but... Oh, all right. I've... I've... <laughs> I've got the runs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, I said it now, it's out there. I said to Ellie beforehand, I, I have the runs and it feels appropriate given... Um, very Judas. Very Judas. Watching those Christmas episodes again and Gia's like they in and out always... of the bar. There's something in the water what in the Judas household. Are they, is Teresa just like not cooking food properly? Or is it like a... Something in the red sauce. There's something uh, in the yeah, sauce. They do just constantly have the shits. It's uh, more than is normal. Danielle is just like poisoning the water systems. Going into, like, <laughs> I don't know, something in the water. You want potable water? I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm going to put a stop to that. These women will rule the day. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> Bye-bye. Sort of a psychological and a biological F-U. When they're on the toilet and it's coming out of them like lava, it's a little psychological F-U. Oh. It's going, me, I'm coming into your home, into your water supply. <laughs> to your body. You cannot escape me. I am infiltrating your digestive system. And you will always... <laughs> Always know that I am there. Can you tell we miss Danielle? Well, that rhymed. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, James has the runs. Thank you. I am in perfect health, as always. Yes. I was concerned. I had an itchy eye after we last spoke, and I honestly was mildly concerned okay, that you'd... I sent it. You somehow sent me... Through Zoom. Sent me a little dose of eye herpes. But fortunately, you're still good. You're beautiful. Still good. You're good. Exactly. Amazing. Really happy for you. I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> Where do we even begin today? Where do we leave off is probably um, a good question. Uh, so we basically just left We left off, off at the christening, didn't we? At the christening. We didn't get very far. So... I, Moving at a snail's pace. I, I feel like we've gone down this path before. The idea is that we're going to round off the rest of season three today with any kind of sort of rogue, errant thoughts, 
themes, little storylines and scenes. Yeah, I feel like we got quite into kind of the theme of season three. And Mm -hmm. now it's just a bit of our kind of best bits rundown. Yeah. Rather than getting into the kind of psychology of... I mean, I don't know how much we did that last week, but I just want to talk about kimchi at the Christmas party. Should we do it? Should we start with the Christmas party? Or just like the Christmas episodes, as we said before, it was oh just my such God. a great stretch. Let's just get into it because, oh, it, it was just exactly what I needed in January. And for anyone who's watched, there's just this glorious five, six episode stretch in the middle of the season that covers from Thanksgiving to like New Year. Mm. And it's some of the most nourishing, wholesome television I've ever watched. It makes me feel so festive. I I think perhaps every year I'm now going to watch it in the build up to Christmas to get myself festive because it made me sad that I'd watched it just after Christmas. Yeah, like the Santa Claus. It's like Home Alone, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to have the the New Jersey. Those five episodes, Twist the Night Before Christmas. They came yep. such a racket, just like those apps, <laughs> one after the other. I know the names. <laughs> they came such a racket. There arose such a clatter. <laughs> they came such a racket. <laughs> those clothes. There came such uh, a racket. Racket. I love a bit of thematic or like holiday appropriate viewing year round. So I think I will every year, starting November, mm-hmm. we'll begin with the Thanksgiving episode where we have the competing Thanksgiving dinners and then just work my way through and then... Tokyo out until Christmas. It's the great. The food all looks so good. Oh, and it's like, great. All of the scenes are either at Christmas parties or like big family dinners or the family. Family tradition. That was not <laughs> sure who that was. It's a bit that Eeyore, was Eeyore. Wasn't it? <laughs> Family tradition. Oh well. Oh. Uh it's just gorgeous. And so where so what happens in the Thanksgiving? My takeaway from the Thanksgiving one in particular is we get this sense that there are these two warring Thanksgiving dinners. There's one that's being thrown by the Gorgas, and then there's the one being thrown by the Judices. And it feels a bit like a Cold War, except instead of the space race, it's just a Thanksgiving dinner. And Teresa tells us that her parents have gone away on vacation, or she's kind of like done another Thanksgiving with her family family but she's going to do a Friendsgiving. She's going to do a Friendsgiving on Thanksgiving proper. Whereas Joe and Melissa, they're having more of a traditional family get together. So it's going to be Melissa's seven sisters, parents, and all the Wikileaks. And a partridge in a pear tree. AKA Kim G. (laughs) And I, I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but actually Melissa's Thanksgiving looks much nicer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to go to either of them. They both look amazing. Anyone where Kathy is like rocking up with a giant cannoli or sort of baskets full of dessert. It's a party I want to go to. be at. <laughs> yeah. I don't really care about the rest. I'm just like, it's like canopy chasing when you're like going after the person with the tray, but it's just like Kathy with the desserts. I'm just like, oh, where, where are you going with that? Oh my God. I have to tell you, I went to a wedding not too long ago and it was a very nice wedding. Don't get me wrong. But there was one person one person who was the canapé person and i was determined to get these canapés and every time they would like go around and they they only had like five canapés on the tray at any given time so they'd walk around of course it would go in a second and then they'd disappear again this is terrible organization so and it was really crowded so i was like right i'm going to get to the door and wait so that as soon as they come out with a new set of canapés i'll be the first one to take it wait behind the door behind a bush <laughs> And the next thing I know, they come out of another door at the other end of the room. And then they do that. So I then have to like scurry over there. And then they come out of another like door. And I just never... Coyote, like the Wiley Coyote. I 
<laughs> chasing them off a cliff and then I'm like <laughs> still don't have my canopies where's Kathy oh. when you need her eh? like your eyes would light up with canopies as well I'd be completely like, mm-hmm. but I think more so than the canopies or the food without sounding really saccharine it is about the family and it's about it's about love and the heart it's the heart of the home yeah. and having the families here and it just feels like Whereas Joe and Melissa's easy. Thanksgiving is, it's just easy breezy. It is just about mm. having family together and it's good vibes. And then it kind of, it flashes over to to Teresa and Joe's and it just, it feels dark and oppressive and it just feels like it's all made out of spite. And it's just sort of an excuse for Teresa to get Caroline and Jacqueline over to just slag off Melissa a bit more. Mm. Is this the the sprinkle cookies? Yeah. It's Is that when, when she brings she, it up? She tells about the card as well, about the your redone home. Where do you stand with that? I remember being really shocked because Caroline's reaction is so big where she's like, congratulations. On- <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 And like... Wow. I, honestly, it feels like she's going to be like, you fucking bitch whore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your redone home. I don't think, I think you'd ha- you have to be reading into something to be like, redone. As it, rather than like, your renovated home. Yeah. <laughs> like <it's> just, <laughs> I don't think it's that deep. It's, it's not a bit that, yeah. like someone, instead of saying happy birthday, being like, happy birthday, another year or something, or being like, another year. That's a diss about me being old. Another year older. Where yeah. you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. It, it introduces, I think, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like out of the four key players in the whole Gorgas Judice feud, mm. I feel like Melissa's probably the one that shoulders the least blame. I genuinely do get the impression. I think she's very quick to, as we kind of said before, sort of slag off Teresa enough, but then say but i was okay about it and i didn't say anything to kind of make herself look no, good I but like i do Melissa. genuinely think for the most part she just wants everyone to get i love how she picks up a pencil as well as me oh this isn't a pencil james this is a japanese paintbrush oh my god excuse me <laughs> you, take, you take that right back <laughs> i think i picked it up because you picked up a pencil it's like i see your pencil subconsciously and i raise you I was like... a japanese paintbrush I was like, I want to be gesturing with something as well. All right. But Melissa also gets by far the most crap. She gets the most crap and it introduces this argument of it shouldn't be tit for tat, which is something I hate because it's something that an aggressor always says where they try and shine a light on bad behavior whilst conveniently forgetting that it's pushback for their own bullying in the first place. And it's like, I'm sorry, Teresa has intimated that Melissa is some Jezebel who's dug her claws into Joe and is only with him for money. I think calling it her redone home doesn't even begin to compare to the warfare that Teresa has brought to the table. Like, Melissa can only be a martyr for so long. I think she's allowed to hop off the cross from time to time and be a little bit petty like the rest of us. For sure. Yeah. It's so annoying. So annoying. So we have the whole sprinkle cookies revelation. What's wrong? I love sprinkle cookies. Are sprinkle cookies just cookies with sprinkles on them? I think so. I think they're just kind of very, they're sort of like a generic store sprinkle cookies. But have you had a pignoli cookie? No, what's a pignoli cookie? Oh, they're good. They're good. So they're pine nuts and sort of almondy. So they have a sort of marzipan-y taste to it. I I do love it. No, 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 no. 
Well, you have your pinoli and I'll have my sprinkle cookie. I threw them in the garbage. But it is mad to throw them in the bin. To throw them in the bin is extreme. Regift them. I think this is what I mean about the Thanksgiving. It just feels like... It feels like a ruse to just get everyone there and just slag off Melissa and Joe a bit more. And you feel like she's actually losing her audience a bit. And without sort of jumping back from the Christmas stuff, when there's that whole business about Teresa writing a letter to Joe to try and get through to him, she makes a point of of asking Jacqueline for her advice and running it by Caroline and going over to Jacqueline's house and writing it in front of her. And it's just like a time lapse where she's there all day and Jacqueline's getting progressively (laughs) drunker and drunker because it becomes very clear she actually just doesn't want any and she's writing this card completely from the wrong angle of joe i'm so sorry that i lost you and that you married some big whore and that you broke up our family (laughs) i'm doing everything i can and i'm sorry that you're a horrible brother and then Jackson's like, maybe that's not the right place. Maybe you need to shoulder some of the blame. And she's like, it's my family. And, you know, and it's like, so yeah. yeah. And I just think we start to get, especially with Caroline, she's getting very exacerbated because as we've said before, her role is to be like, why do we care? Why are we, we're here, we're family, like just moving, moving on. You, you don't have, that was a terrible. She sound, sounded a bit like Danielle, James. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. One at a time. <laughs> what would Caroline say? She'd be like, because it's family. Because it's family. Because it's family. I couldn't think of anything else to say apart from family. I think in general I with can't, Car- I can't. We just went when in doubt. Just, just, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I think I will say this is where Caroline really flourishes in that role where her endless talking heads about family actually come in handy. Because for the first two seasons, it's just Caroline ruminating about the importance of family and the only family featured was hers and they're a very well-adjusted family and they all seem to get along and it felt kind of like she was preaching to the choir whereas now there's an actual dysfunctional dynamic she's like a a dr phil kind of walking dictionary definition of family every every one of her talking heads is a bit like let's go back to the webster's dictionary (laughs) have a look at yep that's the definition of family again but it's so stupid as well because with this christmas thanksgiving gathering thing we then introduce the meaning of family suddenly does get very slippery doesn't it because it goes from the idea of family being something very literal you're blood related and no matter how dysfunctional you are or how toxic you put up with it even if it makes you unhappy being around your relatives you 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 bend over and take it because they're family and you have to honor that suddenly it goes to like family is it's, it's a feeling it's friends it's family it's it's the feeling of warmth you know, family, it's, it's not just blood. And it's like, so what, it, it just becomes this very yeah, exactly. general abstract concept where it's like, oh, okay, whatever. So yeah, Christmas. Oh, the Christmas parties. Are we there? Are we at Melissa's Christmas party? Yeah, let's do it. I love how enamored the Manzos are becoming slowly but surely by Joe and Melissa. It's just, they're, they're just oh, like a very that's, naturally... I guess that's a, that's a quick pre-Melissa's christmas party but it ties into what you're saying is like the beginning of that friendship comes from because doesn't Teresa have a christmas party and everyone's there yes and Mm -hmm. there's a very easy friendship between caroline's kids and melissa and joe and you can just see that it's like in spite of themselves they just really like them and they're and all of their talking heads they're like they're fun they're young they're just like good times to be around you can tell that like caroline 
thinks that Joe Gorga is just like a pill and loves him. The most hilarious thing, yeah. Jacqueline loves them. Uh, also, you really see at that Christmas party, obviously Joe Gorga is good fun and is like dressing up and things like that. But Melissa's also really good fun. And she's like, she's clearly quite like a fun drunk to be around. And yeah. the whole thing is just constantly being undercut by like Teresa looking in that like frozen smile thing of just fuck her like panic it, yeah completely Teresa's watching Melissa all about Eve her in real time and take over that role that she once had of the young fun court jester that was the comic relief and everybody loved and Melissa's nailing it also totally. just to look at Joe and uh, Joe Gorgor and Melissa they even look there's like enough similarity to connect them to Teresa and Joe Judice, but they look like a Hollywood heightened version of that they're like yeah, who they're would like, play who... Teresa and Joe in a movie for sure yeah. And you can tell even like the gay that's always with the Manzos is like obsessed with Melissa, oh, thinks she's the most gorgeous creature. And like the, the Manzo boys probably fancy Melissa and it's totally. just... Totally. I feel like you kind of are Greg, by the way, in some ways. Oh my God, I'd love that. Yeah. I think he's so funny. No, absolutely. He's great. I think he's really dry, and but yeah. I think if I'm Jacqueline, you're Greg. Well, the thing is, he gets a lot of, I feel like, casual homophobia from the Manzos, but he kind yeah. of like comes back with retorts that are so quick. He's actually too intelligent for the rest of them. Where he's I don't amazing. Think it even registers that, yeah, he's great. And also, I just love that he's always there, like on every yeah, stuff. So like, he, like he's really, really lucked out. But yeah, you've got all of this as well with this horrible rumbling of like Joe Judice calling Melissa like a, a raccoon or a skunk or whatever, uh-huh. like while she's there. And you, I think it's one of the first times that you really see with absolutely no prompting, like how deep the toxicity of it goes. Because until that Christmas party, I think there's always a sense of it's like tit for tat or it's like they're only bitching about it in relation to something happening. Here, it's literally like they're just there having a good time, being quite charming. And Jojo Judas is like sat in the corner just spouting kind of poison about them and being like, I fucking hate them. Seemingly out of nowhere. And, and they, sort of, exactly. We've like seen Joe, the two Joes sort of embrace and they're like laughing, joking, calling each other fags, but apparently that's permissible, whatever. It's just when in Rome. So <laughs> yeah, and then it just, so weird. it's just seemingly out of nowhere. So it's just, you get this impression as a viewer objectively that they can't really do any right, Joe and Melissa. Totally. So as you say, we come into Melissa's Christmas um, with this lovely sense of the Manzos are so excited to be there. You can tell they've really been looking forward to the evening and Melissa's so excited that they're there. There's a step and repeat. There's a red carpet. It's the place to be. We've all been in that place where like you have a party and there's like your new friend you're really excited is going to come and you like yeah. have so much attention and she's like, you wrote me on Facebook. I love it. And it's just yeah. like, oh, it's so of a time. I remember yeah. that. It's like going to Studio 54 in the 70s. It's like going to Melissa's Christmas party in 2010. It's just it's like, just like just like that. It was like a, a moment in time. You, it was the zeitgeist. So there's a step and repeat. There's an ice sculpture that looks vaguely sexual and looks nothing like Joe and Melissa. And I love that she's like, there's an ice sculpture that looks like me and Joe. And it's like, it couldn't look less like you two. Yeah. It looks like somewhere between a sexual act and a like two teenagers slow dancing. And it's just like outside where there's no one there. And it's just like <laughs> slowly melting. I think they were going for like an Edward Scissorhands vibe. I did not get that. Oh. You come in the front door and there's four like 
amateur dramatics dressed as carol singers from Victorian England singing carols. Ding dong merrily on high. You say hi to James because he's there. Hi. There's like tables like flowing with cannolis and they've got like a dance floor. They've got like a poker night thing going on. They've got, I mean like who doesn't want to be at this party? It's the place to be. I can't, I cannot emphasize that enough. I want to be there in a tight silver dress. There's this crispness in the air. They're all coming in in their furs. It's just it, like everything's come together and it's just a really beautiful moment. And you know it's going to go down in history. Like if you weren't there, then you're not worth knowing. Totally. But really what we get is that it's the stage, if you will, for the swan song for New Jersey's most notorious friend of. Notorious K-I-M-G. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We thought we'd reached peak Kim G when she was stood outside that Italian restaurant screaming at Danielle, being like, I have friends, you'll be nothing but an old lady with your freaking square tats. But like a bad sequel, Kim G is back for a second helping and she's got a new set of lips and she's uh, brought back up this time a woman by the name of Monica Chacon. Monica Chacon. Doesn't it sound like we're now doing a true crime podcast? Completely. Like that would have been our, that would have been an end of an episode where it was like, but she wasn't alone. No, she was with a young lady called Monica Chacon. Next time. It's such an evocative name. You say Monica Chacon, you're like, say no more. I know say her. no I know this more. Woman. You know that this name is going to be pivotal. It's not just like a throwaway name. We know immediately that we want to I love that it's like, we one. know, but at the same time, none of us really know who Monica Chacon is or what the beef is or why it's so bad. Like, I know that we're about to go through who she is. I know that we literally know who she is. But at the same time, it's like yeah. one of the vaguest characters a, she really does look like she stepped off of a true crime documentary on Netflix and into Real Housewives of New Jersey by accident. Yeah, she looks like a courtroom sketch. Yeah. Just come to life. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about Monica Chacon. Fill us in. Well, she's basically the new Danny Provenzano because she's just come purely to fuck shit up. So I'm going to get in trouble now. Is she... She's a lawyer. She's not a wife of a lawyer, is she? No, she's, she's not a lawyer. She's like the prosecutor's wife. Okay. She's the prosecutor's girlfriend or the prosecutor's wife. It's so long-winded and it's basically So like- she's Joe Judice's Joe Judice's uh business associate, former business associate is suing Joe Judice for shady stuff and the prosecuting lawyer's wife, <laughs> Monica Chacon, Apparently gets into a screaming match with Teresa, like at the almost cuffs or something. Right. Which Teresa, <laughs> what are you doing? Also, it's one of those things where like Joe Judice comes home and is like, oh, I swear my wife's fucking nuts. Like, you know, she's fucking like killed or whatever. And then Teresa's version of the story is like, Yeah, I just wanted to talk to her. And like, I want to talk to her. I just want to talk. Like, I, I just wanted, like, what? I was just having a conversation. She's screaming at me or whatever, where it's just like, <laughs> Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. Kim G, like an absolute Kim G, diamond. She may have blue lips, phone. but she has not lost that permagrin that she just can't stop smiling. She's so excited. She's definitely settled into her villainess phase, which I'm really happy for her that she's picked a side and that she's sticking to it. And it's her at her best. And I love, like a pro, she's wearing a chinchilla when she walks in. And it's very similar in appearance to the one that Teresa wore at the infamous posh fashion show. I look like I'm wearing a chinchilla right now, but it's actually just a big um, blanket from my sofa. And obviously, (laughs) Monica... (laughs) Cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that you didn't acknowledge at all that I'd said it. 
Sorry, I'm running dry on chinchilla material. It's fine. Now. It's okay. Um, we've used it up. You're used to me not being funny anyway. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it's a complete stunt and Monica doesn't last five minutes and Teresa, as soon as she catches a whiff of her, then she wants her out of the place and puts Melissa in a position where, again, it feels like a show of her loyalty. Well, the whole night has that vibe because they already have that earlier where... What's that expression Kyle uses on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? The looking for tits on an ant. It's like Teresa's turned up to this evening in this permanent state of, like, scanning for a problem. So before she's even got there, she's like, well, I had my, my hair person, Evelyn, but Melissa purposefully booked her. But then that's not really the problem. And then it's that... Melissa's brother-in-law says the thing about like, oh, you're going to pay me that $1,000 or whatever. And it's like straight up to Melissa being like, you have to go and talk to, like, you have to go and like, so exactly my husband didn't deck him. And immediately it's made Melissa's problem of like, sort your shit out or whatever. So it's like, they're already on this anticipatory. Anything Melissa and Joe do is up for such intense scrutiny that it's amazing that they're able to have a good night. And I'm kind of surprised in a way that Teresa's so happy with it because Melissa doesn't really lead the charge in terms of throwing them. I mean, she does, but she's got the fucking manzos there who just can't help but step up to the plate and be the muscle and decide that it's their party all of a sudden and that they've got to take charge of things. I fucking, I know you like the manzo kids. I just think they- I love them. One woman at a time, James. So, mm, okay. (laughs) So back to Monica Chacon. So Kim and Monica come prancing in with the same vibe of Danielle and Kim turning up to the benefit for the baby with cancer, where it's a bit like, I don't think there's going to be any drama tonight. No, no, there wouldn't be any drama tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> And also swanning around when they're there as if it's their party and like everyone's there for them. Like, I felt such warmth such when I walked warmth. in. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. she's like, Kim G's work in the room. Exactly. And I brought Monica. Yeah. So Melissa and Joe are sent immediately to eject Monica Chacon from the party and they take them off to this sort of library that looks like part of a Cluedo board. They always have that library. Danielle has it as well. Like a, a house that is otherwise very light and then suddenly you go into the library and it's like lacquered, varnished, wood panelled walls everywhere and like oppressively dark inside. Yeah, exactly. So they're very politely asking her to leave and there's that great bit where Melissa's like, I'm so sorry, but so I, I am going to have to ask Monica to leave and Kim goes, oh no, I can't do that. but i don't know why it's so funny oh no i can't do that it's not the bargaining tool that she thinks it is it's like okay cool then you're gonna both have to leave like yeah exactly she's saying it like she's so confident that she's really in a position of power right now you can't even edit it in such a way where because i feel like the editors want it to be melissa saying to kim we're gonna have to ask monica to leave and then it'll be like dun 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 but like the editors can't do that because she doesn't even get to finish the sentence before kim she's like speaking over oh no i can't do that oh no i can't do that uh (laughs) so that shit-eating grin on her face they have to ask monica to leave like 15 times and monica does that classic trick of turning up to start shit but then being like the sweetest that she could possibly being like hi like oh no like she gets in there quickly yeah she gets in there to be like oh god I, like I wouldn't want there to be any kind of problem and then she tries to come in with this thing of being like Teresa's made my life hell for the last couple and they're just not interested they're like cool that's fine but you have to go like we don't <laughs> they're like right. this isn't your moment to be on the show and so they mm-hmm. kind of, she kind of gets cut short on the sob story and it's just very anticlimactic and Melissa's just like goodbye bye 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 
daughter. It's possibly the quickest cameo I think we've ever seen from any housewives troublemaker. That's what I mean is that like you hear Monica Chacon and you think that she's going to be like the woman in um, Real Housewives of New York. Uh, what's her name? The one that wants to sleep with Harry Dubin, the- who ends up at Luann's Hampton's house. In the Amanda. Oh, the publicist. Well, Amanda, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like you hear Monica Chacon and you're like, oh, it's going to be an Amanda. And then she's just, she has about seven seconds of screen time and it's like, and it, the door shuts. It is. <laughs> and bye bye. Yeah. And Melissa and Joe actually do it very undramatically. And it's very, it, like, can you imagine how different it would have been if it was Teresa's moment on the show? Was that they do it very politely and with a lot of grace yeah and with a lot of grace and you'd think that that was the end of the drama and then there was one and then there was one so again like Teresa looking for tits on an ant she's happy that Monica's gone but it's like well that bitch Kim G is here exactly and also there's that whole thing where Caroline's being like but they're asking her to leave they're doing the right thing and it's like well once she's gone then they did the right thing yeah and it's like oh my yeah. god like intention doesn't mean anything to Teresa so annoying <laughs> yeah yeah Anyway, now we've got Kim G swallowing around the party, just being like, they asked Monica to leave. No, I brought Monica. <laughs> and then we have the Manzo's like a couple of mercenaries coming in. And it's just, it's mainly Albie. Albie. Hang on, that's not what around. happens, James. What? All right, okay. All right. Get your facts straight. So they're taking a family photo and Kim is like borderline heckling. She's trying, she's, she's starting. She is starting. She's starting. And Jacqueline's like... See how nice that is, family? And Kim's like, for now. And at which point, Lauren's like, this is get Lauren Manzo. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's like, this is getting ridiculous. Some jealous people are just like here to start something. And Caroline quite calmly starts trying to be like, don't come on, like Kim, don't come with that attitude. And Kim gets in to it very fast with Caroline. Yeah. And Caroline does get unexpectedly riled up very quickly for Caroline. Normally, Caroline's kind of queen of just being like, I'm not engaging. I'm disengaging. Mm-hmm. God, have yeah, you watched Salt Lake City? She walked so that Meredith could run. Oh, fantastic. Um, You've got to catch up. Oh, I will. Um, oh, I, oh, I will. Uh, I will. But Caroline gets quite flustered and it becomes very, for the sake of our son's friendship, for the sake of our son's friendship, and stuff like that. At yeah. which point, it's not Albie, it's Chris... Comes in very hot. I think Chris is quite drunk. And I think Chris thinks he's doing it in like a protective way. It really reminds me of so many parties when I was like 15 and very drunk. And people are like, no, stop, wait. I need to I need to take her away for a conversation. And like, it's all very dramatic. And people are like mm-hmm. that kind of drunk where they're being like, I love you. And I'm actually getting really upset about this. And then someone else is being like, no, I need to borrow her for a second. And it's like, no, I'm talking to her. It's very right. that vibe. So Chris is like taking Kim G away, but they're all like chasing after her and being like, it's done, it's done or whatever. And then he's like taking her outside for a deep heart to heart and being like, I love your son. And she's like, stop it, you're going to make me cry. Where? And this is, yeah. Well, what's weird is I don't really understand why it's not sort of left at that. But while they're gone, the Manzos get like whipped up into a bit of a frenzy. That's what I mean. So Chris seems to be the only one with a head on his shoulders and he's got it all under control Caroline's screaming about how she doesn't want his relationship with Kim Ji's son to suffer. And by doing so, she's sort of amping mm-hmm. Albie up, who's then walking around, puffing his chest, being like, leave it at me, Ma, I'll take out the trash. And it's like, you're so 20 sexy. years old. Chill out. <laughs> it's not your party. <laughs> 
And so then what he can't help himself and has to come outside. And it feels like Chris and Kim are actually getting somewhere. And Kim's probably going to leave. She's just going to go back inside and get her coat and leave. And then suddenly Albie's coming out and he's like, out, come on, let's go. Yeah. It's like one of several times on New Jersey where it feels like there's a character who's operating with restraint and logic and reason. And unfortunately, that just doesn't register on Register. <laughs> it doesn't know what to- <laughs> That just doesn't matter. I feel like I could pass that off as like a bad Zoom (laughs) connection. I'm going to say that line again from the top. And it just doesn't register with anyone else on New Jersey because no one else speaks that language. And it's just a show that rewards histrionics and, and, yeah. and, and yeah, puffing your chest and going, you scum! That's the only dialect that they It's speak. unexpected because it's one of the few times that you see Albert Sr. actually get yeah. all of this stuff where in future seasons when... Um, the way that the women always are a bit like, now I'm getting nervous because I... You'll know the bit I mean, but... In future, there's that episode where Caroline is being like, I'm nervous because Albie, Albie's quiet. Uh, oh, this is Albert Senior. She's like, Albert's quiet. Yeah. And then he'll suddenly like get up and deck someone. And I'm a bit like, I'm not sure I buy that. That's a bit like me saying about like Andy when we were together, like, you don't be fooled because he's he like sits and is very calm and rational at the side. But then he'll suddenly just like strike. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think he ever would. But then in this episode, you do see Albert's getting, it's like borderline getting into it with the decrepit bodyguard that Kim Ji has brought who yeah. doesn't look like he has any idea what's going on and they're all sort of storming through the house even Chris Manzo Jacqueline's Chris I like him most of the time when he seems pretty chill normally but he's like <laughs> just smack around a bit just that throw against the wall it's like oh my god Chris that bit's not great when he's like <laughs> oh the truth is she needed a good smack and you're just a bit like <laughs> um <laughs> Oh my god. Moving on. Obviously it's gone past that point. The ship has sailed. But in retrospect, wouldn't it have just been easier for Caroline to have just had one little lunch with this woman? Yeah, yeah. Like, I appreciate the stance of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But there are also basic societal courtesies. (laughs) Like, if an acquaintance repeatedly asks you to go to lunch, you can only blow it off so many times without looking rude. Like, I appreciate it. I would love to do that. I'm not a particularly sociable person. I would love to go through life if people were asking me to go out for lunch and I didn't really want to. I'd love to be like Caroline and say, no, I'm, I'm good. But you can't go through life like that, can you? Well, she does. Maybe we should learn something from that. I mean, apparently she can. But... So, yeah, she like if she'd yeah. gone to the lunch, I mean, at this point... She's really picked up the baton from Danielle. She's just caused so much chaos, all because she wanted to be noticed by the Manzos. This really exactly. seems to be a recurring theme on this show. And she disappears into the night, never to be seen again, just descends into Hades. And I feel like what the camera misses is exactly, <laughs> like, as the camera pans around, was that she just, like, flew off. It was just like... Ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful swan song i'm sorry it's the totally. only way you can describe it it's a great performance well done kim so in the episodes that follow i mean we have things like christmas eve i just briefly christmas eve at Teresa's. i can't imagine anything worse than an entire night of seafood the night before christmas i would just everything yeah, looks like it? it's gonna everything that's spice and everything that's oh my god of course that's where gia gets it they have a christmas eve tradition of eating like exclusively incredibly spicy seafood i'm like that's a death I'm a wish nervous. you're like i've asking... ordered a load of sushi coming now for lunch am i gonna I'm like Fuck. they're asking for the runs of course they're all right. sick but like you were saying about their thanksgiving party their christmas eve thing it just feels very cold and very 
I totally get Melissa's thing of when they go to Kathy's afterwards being like, it felt like coming home. Maybe it's partly that Teresa's house is just like all marble and it's too big and it's there's not enough stuff in it. Whereas you go to Kathy's and it feels like, I want to go to the Wakili's on Christmas Eve. And it's like everyone's yeah. like gathered in and there's just like a billion desserts and Richie's there making everyone laugh. I, I kind of want to marry Richie. It feels like going back in time, like they're all around the piano and they take it in turns it's to like do gorgeous. a little bit. And it's great. And then you just contrast it and you're right. And it just, I think that image of Joe just spread out on the sofa, just mm. belching with his shirt off and then exactly. with one arm up in the air, filming the girls with his camcorder and he's not even looking at them. It just sums it up so much, you know, exactly. they're just sort of there in body, but not in spirit. And there's a limit to which Teresa's whole thing of being like, you should want to be with us because it's family is a bit like, well, then make it nicer. <laughs> Like, yeah. You've got to put in your side as well. I'm just fed up of that argument she gives as well, where she shames Joe and Melissa for going to Kathy's and saying like, well, if Kathy was a good cousin, she would know not to. And it's like, do you not see the irony of you want to keep the family separate? So by being a good family member, she should respect the fact that you don't want to have all the family together. It doesn't really... It's ridiculous. She's obtuse it's... and ridiculous and I can't deal with her. Yeah. Then we have the yeah. Christmas mornings. Gia's got the shits. Like you say, Joe is just like <laughs> half naked on the sofa. But Joe just... <clears throat> Joe looks like exactly what I'm... I think I said this before. What I'm scared I'm going to end up with is someone where I'm going to turn around on Christmas morning and be like, oh, crap, I married Joe Judice. Like, no. Honestly. <laughs> we also get a hint at how their money trouble... Like... Teresa's talking about how the gift this year for Christmas we we reined it in a lot because we, we want to teach the girls that it's not about money you know it's about and it's just we see them opening up a mini Mercedes car and yeah Gia's getting a new iPhone and exactly whose Christmas morning would you want to be at the most the cat uh, the the Wikileaks, completely me too it's so cute the way that the Wikileaks, like the kids buy her the laptop because they believe in her and oh, like so read sweet. out their letters. They're just the perfect family. I love them. I love her kids. They're hilarious. I love that scene where they have their contracts that they keep renewing. I love it. And then like Joe, Joe's such a little character. He sounds like he's on 40 a day. And he's like, I love And he his uses voice. all this like pseudo legal jumble. He's like, I, Joseph Wakili, acknowledge with sound mind and with a, a true heart that I am becoming a man and I promise to uphold my duties in the family to the best of my abilities. And then you just get Victoria. Just Victoria, have you, you know Victoria's room where she's got this massive poster of her doing one of those glamour shots at like Franklin Lakes Mall and yes. she's got like a cowboy hat on. But bless her, she's like a bit, she's got a bit of a gormless expression to her. Oh. So she's just kind of like, yeehaw. And then she does her little contract and she's like, ah, Victoria, we're killer. <laughs> I love it. I, lo I don't know. I They're love just a them. great family. They're I wanna... so great. And I just, yeah, I would want to be at theirs on Christmas morning. I actually love Jacqueline and Chris's home videos apart from Ashley. Ashley's just like the fly in the soup where it's like, ugh, just piss off. Ashley's a fucking nightmare. Otherwise it looks delightful. And I love all the footage of Jacqueline and Chris, like all of the footage of like Jacqueline and Chris, like playing on the toys and stuff. That's why I want to be with Chris Manzo. Like he just, it's like very joyous and silly. And I love their, I love how much they make each other laugh and they have a very playful relationship. Yeah. I would want to be at the Manzo's for Christmas Eve. I loved their Christmas Eve dinner where it's like the three long tables and they just have like loads of family and it looks delightful and they're all very funny and it's really sweet. All the 
the stuff of running around with the jingle bells. Oh yeah. Like it's just oh, gorgeous. And it's like it's exactly what I would want Christmas to be like when I have kids and, and with my family around. It warms my heart I and know. It, I completely get that whole thing. It's about the kids. It, it's, it's for the kids. Exactly. And CJ such a sweetie, he's, and I feel like he's such a middle child, and we never really see much from him because poor like Jacqueline and Chris are so distracted with the other two kids either side of him. And I know, and he's just nice. Just, like, yeah, it's gorgeous, and, and so yeah, I would want to be great. at the Manzo's on Christmas Eve, and then head over to the Wakili's for Christmas morning. I feel like t- Melissa. I just want to. I've always wanted to say this about Melissa, but seeing her Christmas morning is not that much better than Teresa and Joe Judice's. Melissa has this very strange relationship with religion. I don't know if you've picked up on this. Yeah. Where it feels very, ironically, very pagan. There's like a directness to it, wherein if Melissa wants something tangible, she'll just pray to Jesus for it. And then it will appear like the watch, the Rolex watch that's in the Christmas tree. And she'll be like thank you jesus and it's just she'll carry on with her day and it goes no further than that it's like a purely transactional relationship no, I know with what no, you mean. none of the nuance or downsides of like confession or penance or anything totally just... and i don't think christmas morning is melissa's best look it's definitely the most that she comes off as just very spoiled and very i give you more love if you give me pretty things and it, like also like both that again that gross thing of like i'm a lady in the parlor and totally the she feels very childlike i can imagine her the night before being like dear jesus yeah for christmas <laughs> i want joe to get me a rolex watch and then she's like ah he did it joe it's, you know it's, like, it's oh, very God. yeah it's very little girly it's the same side of them that i don't love of the whole kind of like i think joe is my dad yeah well what's weird is she's like my dad sent me joe and then joe gorg is there being like i'm her father <laughs> and it's like ew no you're yeah. not her dead father anyway so we have all the christmas mornings and then what's left of this season that we want to i feel like we should chat two things i think we should chat about Gia's songs because yes it's time and then i think we should talk Completely. about the reunion yeah yeah so let's do it Gia's songs so they're at a pizza party for Melania's fifth birthday. Can I preface this? I think it's just just to set the context emotionally mm. for Gia. What becomes very clear over the season mm. is that whatever's happened between Teresa and Joe now, they had enough of a relationship before where Joe Gorga was very present in Gia's life. I believe he was her godfather. Yeah, yeah. She very much sees him as a second father. And... It's heartbreaking and you really feel like she's collateral damage in this feud here where every time he turns up, she lightens up There's that gymnastics meet where like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's obsessed about Joe coming. It's just so sad. And I think it's because Joe Gorga is emotional and Joe Judice isn't. It's Mm. another area in which Joe Judice just... We saw in the previous season when he's sort of teasing her when she's on her way to oh, do the modeling God, thing yeah. and she's crying. And Joe completely, and Teresa as well, it's like, Gia, stop it! He's kidding! And it's like, she's young and sensitive totally. and don't joke. And, and so Joe Judice's no... whole thing is very like, I'm going to smack you if you're crying. Summer, yeah. I'll give you a slap. And so we see that when Joe 
There's like the bit, I think for the gymnastics thing where Joe leaves a voicemail and Gia's playing it to Teresa and Gia's crying and then Teresa's crying and then they're all in bed together and Joe's like, oh, fucking women always in the house. Oh, always with the cry in this one. And it's like, you don't get the mm-hmm. sense that a healthy expression of emotion is allowed in this house. No. Or it's permissible. Whereas Joe Gorga gives her that. He's a bit more, he's always like my heart. You know, he's very yeah. in tune with that sort of thing. So I just think that's important beforehand. There's like a real emotional stakes to this song that Gia performs. Okay, I was going to talk about the Melania song. So I was I was talking about... Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I was talking more about okay. Gia's song for Melania's birthday, which, yes, is in direct competition with Gillian's We Are Sisters <laughs> song for Christine. And here we have Gia's, like... What are some of the best lyrics? I enjoy the first... Oh, I've got, I wrote them down. Oh, you've written them down. I okay, got them, you do I got it written down. So join in if you... No, okay. It's... Yeah. Melania, Melania, I remember when you were first born. First you were one, then Then you were two, two, then you were three, three, then you were four, now you are five. Melania, you have such muscular (laughs) legs when you're doing gymnastics. Dicks, but sometimes you need to rest your toes. Melania, I will always love you and do not forget it. Oh, Thank you. I it's, can only it's dream of having a, a song that talks about the necessity for me to warm up and cool down after I exercise as part of my personality trait. <laughs> it's imp- it's an important part Ellie, of, of, you like of to box and go bouldering but be careful to cool down when you're done and then when you finish cooling down you want to have a healthy balanced meal of <laughs> complex carbohydrates and protein to help your muscles rebuild melania and the day after your muscles might hurt but then the day after that sometimes Sometimes they hurt more, but then they'll get better. Then you want to take a bath and use lots of Epsom salts to help relieve your muscle aches. Uh, That's the extended version. Genius lyric writing. I also really enjoy it. It reminds me of Rebecca Black's Friday. In that, there was a lyric that was like... <laughs> it was like I think I know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and yeah. then it will be Thursday, and after that is Friday, and then it's Friday, and it's like a similar Sunday thing where it's like it doesn't it doesn't count if you yeah. just count things in songs. <laughs> I always crack up. I think we've done we've done this before when we tried to recall the song. I'm convinced it's for Melania's fourth birthday because I'm like, there's no way it can be stretched out that long. To and it always is. Then you were one. Then you were two. <laughs> then you were three. <laughs> then you were four. No. Oh, you're five. I like to think that that verse is good because she can use it every birthday, but just stretch it out longer. It can just keep going. Yeah. I love that she's got her little music stand out and her little sort of like bang on the door notebook that she's written her lyrics in. So So that was her funny song. Good. Uh, That's a funny song. Obviously, Gia's song is is actually heartbreaking in terms of she... It's so harrowing. She sings this song and she breaks down as she's starting because she gets overwhelmed with emotion and everyone there is just really uncomfortable because it, like you say, it so symbolises the actual real life effect that's happening with this family. And also, I think everyone there is very aware that the kids know too much, like that 
the kids just have not been protected properly from what's going on by Teresa and Joe Judice. It's like, there's no way, the way that Gia talks about Melissa, there's no way that that's not being passed down by Teresa. Completely. It's just really sad. And it's the definition of out of the mouths of babes. And this is again where Caroline comes in handy when we immediately get a confessional from her being like, she is screaming. She is screaming for this to end. And it's like, I'm with Caroline on this one. Why the fuck would Teresa encourage Melania to keep going through with this song when she's said already before she sings it, it's about her and Zio Joe. And she can't even get through the first line without crying. Like it's a sign that this ain't going to be the most upbeat song. Why would you want an audience for this? But also I think Teresa kind of loves that she's crying because it's a bit like, you see Joey, like you yeah. see. Rather than it being a learning lesson, she completely misunderstands again. And exactly, she wields it as evidence of see the hurt you're doing to my kids. And it's like, it takes two to tango. And also I get it. If a, if a child is crying in front of you, you want to say, no, we're all good. Look, me and Zio Joe, we're fine. Look, aren't we fine? But it's like, it's gone past that point now. You can't lie to this kid. She's smarter than she's more astute than you're letting on right now. She has picked up on this stuff. Yeah. That ship has sailed. I wish we could start calling each other Zio James and Zio Ellie. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Should we talk about the reunion? Yes. And what a reunion. Because we leave the season... Ah, no, 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 no. Sorry. It's an interesting one. Yeah, I'm, I like. Let's not talk about the reunion yet because I think it looks All like right. the season is going to be left in quite a kind of tied up, neat, and everyone was kind of okay with each other way. And then right in the last 15 minutes of the last episode of the season, Teresa's book comes out. I mean, obviously it doesn't yeah. come out in the last 15 minutes, but like we get this kind of tagged on bit of the season which is that having made her peace with everyone Teresa's written this book where she basically just like slags everyone off and capitalizes on her fame and throws everyone under the bus and then has the nerve to turn around and constantly be like it's funny it's a joke and it's just it's like, a joke ha ha, ha ha get it oh my ha. god I just loathe her anyway well just so that we leave the season with this unexpected thing that Caroline is just sort of done and there's a real it's it's a big shift to happen in the dynamic right in the last 10 minutes we see it happening bubbling up i honestly think this happened as early as the trip to italy in the previous season Mm. you can see caroline starting to look at Teresa and joe out of the corner of her eye they're a nightmare to travel with they're kind of selfish they do whatever they want to do everyone else be damned she's slowly getting more and more exasperated with Teresa and her approach to making up with joe She's really enamored with Joe and Melissa. She like apologizes to Kathy for having judged her too early. And so, yeah, it completely comes to a head suddenly at the 11th hour. And it sets the stage once again, really nicely going Mm. into the fourth season. And the reunion is a really interesting one. It feels on the one hand, a bit inconsequential, but on the other hand, a lot of very noteworthy things happen because we find out from the very beginning of the reunion that the women are in the midst of filming season four and like deep into filming it because we find out that they all had a massive fight the night before that apparently traumatized Jacqueline so much that she couldn't even come to film the reunion. It's interesting because the fight they're talking about is like the last thing to happen in season four. It's it's, the very end, yeah. It's almost like we get the season four reunion in 
the place of the season three reunion. Yeah, it feels a bit of a constrained reunion in the sense that everyone is clearly champing at the bit to talk about stuff that hasn't aired yet. And the stuff from this season already feels a bit like yesterday's news and they're just sort of like going through the motions. And even you kind of see that in the set. It just feels like it's a bit slapdash. They've kind of just gone into this theatre. They've laid out a couple of rugs, these sort of beige sofas, plunked them down. And then they just said, go. Yeah, none of them want to be there. Totally. Yeah, it just all feels like a bit of an afterthought. And every the stuff that they're talking about feels a bit perfunctory. But there's like plenty of raw emotion and intensity just bubbling under the surface. It just happens to be about everything else that they can't talk about. Exactly. Especially coming from Caroline. And this is the first time we find out that Dina and Caroline aren't talking anymore. It's just something that haunts Caroline for the rest of the time on the show. And she just becomes this big open wound that Teresa prods for a quick reaction. And Dina's never been so interesting, I have to say. Yeah. While we don't get any details on it, one of the reasons why it remains so compelling, this Dina business, is that other than the fact that Teresa's exacerbated it, it's satisfying on some level as a viewer to maybe see a crack in Caroline's veneer as this straight shooting Italian matriarch who's an authority on family we suddenly see a bit more humanity to Caroline or some fallibility in some way which I don't think is is a bad thing and it's just a nice change of pace from the stagnation that we sometimes get with her when she's just talking about family constantly it's also where Teresa's delusion really begins to blossom this reunion we get a personal favorite of mine is when kathy is talking about victoria had this brain tumor and it was the size of a tennis ball and by all accounts is is completely traumatizing as a parent to deal with and it really brought the family together and Teresa's very quick to like wipe away an invisible tear and tell us that she was at the hospital every single day and kathy not even in a bitchy way it's just kind of like yeah 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 you were there like a couple of times yeah You went there every day, you know? And then we just get Teresa sort of bollocking on about how this whole experience has like really touched her and it's given her this positive, upbeat attitude today where she doesn't sweat the small stuff. And it's like, you even see Andy trying to keep a straight face. It's just a bad showing for Teresa in general. They're really planting the seed that Teresa's out of touch. She's delusional. Fame's changing her. She has to act as a proxy for Joe Judice and defend yet another instance of homophobia on this godforsaken show. And then we get the cherry on the cake where Andy's like, Teresa, are you an anti-Semite? Because she makes that comment about... Joe's going through the ringer financially and her Jewish friends said that they'd leave their husbands if they were poor. It's just like a really, it really is the slide into complete villainy that we get for season four, Teresa. She's slowly morphing into that Teresa with the hair back and the feather. Yeah. The feathers coming outside and the red lipstick. They're so good at setting it up, the reunions for the next season. It's great. It is. I think you're right that I think there's a vagueness to this reunion where the reunion itself isn't interesting, but what piques our interest is like, oh my God, what's happened? And it gets you excited for season four, which otherwise would be a pretty slow start, as we will talk about next week. Yeah. How exciting. I can't wait. I think season four is going to be our one-parter. Do you think? Okay. Don't you? I want to talk a lot about the reunion. I think the season four reunion is one of the single best reunions ever. I think the second half of season four is very rich. Isn't the first half just just like all of them hanging out by like the shore? (laughs) I'm like, I don't care. I think it really, in my head, I need to sort of go back and rewatch it. But when it really goes into fifth gear is when there's that great 
argument where Teresa goes over to Jacqueline's house. Oh God, of course. And it's daylight, but then they're arguing for so long. It just gets darker and darker. Pitch black. Caroline then rocks up with an iced coffee in hand and they're like, her and Jacqueline are tag teaming. That bit's so iconic when Caroline's voice comes from like off camera and she's like, yeah, why are you screaming? And it's like, yeah, why are you screaming? Oh, you're right. Maybe it will be a two-parter. Who knows? Yeah. We hope that you guys are enjoying this format. Yeah, I hope so. Let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know what you're thinking of the girls. That's about it, really. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. Wouldn't want me to do that. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating. If you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.